Praise God. For those of you that can't open your Bible uh, while the plate or the bag is being passed, turn with me to Exodus chapter 35. Exodus, the 35th chapter. We're continuing our sermon series called Creating a Culture of Contagious Generosity. Let me say it again. Creating a culture of contagious generosity. Amen. Exodus, the 35th chapter. We begin there in verse 1. As I did a couple weeks ago that I want to tell you that first of all, I already told you that each and every one of you, there has been given a call of God. Stephanie, you have a call of God. Abraham, you have a call of God. Sam, you have a call of God. There's no big eyes or little U's in the body of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. If you have given your heart to the Lord, you have been called to a specific purpose and plan in your life. And God desires for you to fulfill that plan and that walk with him. So the call is given and you see Moses, as you look with me in verse 1, Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said unto them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Amen? Everyone was called. Everyone had a part in the building of the tabernacle. And so Moses called a meeting of all the people. Not just a single person was, not a single person was left out nor considered unimportant. I want you to know this morning that you're not considered unimportant in this house. Come on. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's up to you to yield yield to God's calling and yield to what he's asked you to do and if we're not careful as preachers and as ministers we can make ministry something afar off or for people that need to take prescribed classes or studies and that's great and I want to say that but guess what Jesus didn't make ministry hard And neither should we. Guess what? The moment you become a child of God is the moment you become a minister. Come on. Lift your hand and say, I'm a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open up your mouth. The word of God said in Revelation, and I love this, they overcame him, who the devil, by the blood of the lamb. Come on, let's let's finish it. And the word of our testimony. Tell somebody, say, they can't take away your testimony. Amen? Come on, tell somebody what God did for you. What Brother Carl said behind this pulpit is what God did. Don't you like what he said? God let the last 20 years, come on, somebody, be just totally for you. Amen? And so I want to tell you that you have been called. You see, an old cliche that has been said but so very true is that God is not looking for ability, but he's simply looking for availability. Is there anybody available in the house to say, Lord, I'm here, I'm available, I desire to be used of you. You see, use what talents that you possess for the Lord. You see, the woods would be very silent if no birds sang there except those that sang the best. I mean, though there are some birds, you're just like, oh my goodness, come on now. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all you got to do, mm-hmm. Come on now, but use the talents that God has given you. Aren't you glad that all of us ain't singers? Come on now. Aren't you glad that all of us ain't builders? Come on, somebody. 
Amen. Every one of us have been tainted with God's anointing if we'll simply step in to the call of God. But I want you to notice there's something interesting that everybody was called to be a part of the building of the mobile tabernacle. But verse 2, before going on to tell them what they needed to do, here was the command of God. There was the call of God. And number 2, here's the command of God. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, six days work shall be done. But on the seventh day... You shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy unto the Lord. How many know that the word is still true in Exodus chapter 20? That we need to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Thank God that you're here today. Look at somebody say, thank God you're here today. Amen. You know what we're doing? We are celebrating the Lord's day. How many know today for the child of God, the Christian, this is our Sabbath day and that is to worship the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Amen? God has called us to do so. God has called us to be here. I'm glad that you got up and you decided to get dressed. Everybody say thank you, Jesus, for that one. Amen. But you decided to come to the house of the Lord. But how many know you decided more than that? That you were going to be active or engaged in the worship service. How many know that it's more than just getting in your car and I appreciate you making the sacrifice to attend. But how many know it's just more than my attendance. It's me worshiping God. It's me giving him praise because there's no other God. Come on. Like Jehovah that deserves all glory and honor and praise. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbors, I don't know how you can't sit still today. Woo! Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You see, the Sabbath was a sign of a covenant. It was. It was a blood covenant. It's more than just a contract. It was a covenant between God and man. To sit there and simply say that, listen, I don't show up to, to fulfill an obligation today. I don't show up to get a check mark from the pastor. Come on, I got a covenant. What are you saying by I love God. I love the church of Jesus Christ. And the reason why, come on, somebody ought to get excited. I feel the Holy Spirit. The reason why I'm here today is because I love to come to the house of God to worship with other like men and women in like-minded faith to lift up the name that is above every name. See, man made an agreement with God or having a covenant with God. But this is what I want to say to you. The Israelites in this particular passage faced an issue or a problem. The problem was simply this. They were excited about building the tabernacle. But the problem was that there was a danger and an excitement that might cause them to keep right on working but forget the Sabbath. I want you to hear my heart today and I want you to hear me from your pastor because if you come to this church, I'm your pastor today. Come on, I know that Brother Carl and Sister Sally goes to grace, but I'm their pastor today. And this is what I want to say to each of you today. Listen to me. Let us never forget, come on, that our worship is worth more than our work. 
Oh, let me say it again. Somebody didn't get it. Let us never forget that they were reminding and building the the tabernacle that the Sabbath was reminded of them that their worship was worth more than their work. Listen, I want every one of you in this building, I believe in 100% that a call, say CCAG, their home, to be actively involved in their time and their talents and their tithe, all of those things. But until, listen, don't be activated in the work until you've approached the worship of God first. You know why? Because I've got some folk that are involved in work of the church that's trying to replace their worship with their work. If you're not careful, preachers can use sermon prep as their preparation for devotion. Can I tell you, I've been in the ministry since I've been 16 years old. It never has worked, nor will it ever will. I still got up this morning, Deanna, and I still sought the face of God before I got here early this morning. I was up with Jesus at 5.30 this morning, and guess what? He talked back to me and told me that he's here. Come on, don't let what you do for God replace what you worship to God. You know, it reminds me of the story, Sister Norman. You know where I'm going in Luke, the 10th chapter. In verse 38, the Word of God says this. As we talk about Mary and Martha, how many remember that story? Come on, the Word of God is very true. Go there with me in your Bibles. Please turn there with me. We encourage you to look in the Word of God with us. Luke 10, if you need some help, I'm not being facetious. If you need some help getting there, ask somebody. We want to get you to Luke 10. Luke 10, verse 38. And I won't tell you the reason. Most churches, and I know it's a comfort thing. A lot of churches put it up on the screen. I'm forcing you to look in your Bible. I think you need to be forced to look into the Word of God. Amen anyways. Luke 10, verse 38. Look, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Notice that. Let me say it again. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was cooking. Martha, Martha was cooking. Come on, somebody. She was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And then she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and to help me. Come on, y'all know y'all get aggravated at family members. Hallelujah. (laughs) Notice what the Lord said in verse 41. This defines what I'm getting ready to say here. But the Lord said unto her, my dear, aren't you glad of the word of the Lord? My dear Martha. The King James, it says, Martha, Martha. What does he say here? He says, you are worried and upset over all these details. But there's only one thing, come on somebody, worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Can I tell you that you should never substitute your work? And I just want to say this. How many know we need both the work and the worship? Come on, let's define that. I mean, no, you ain't, you you can't, listen, I'm here to tell you, you can't just go, how many would love to do that before you got home? Come on, somebody. 
Say, cook the meal. Hallelujah. How many know that hands need to be put forth? But Ecclesiastes says there is a time and there is a place. Come on, somebody. There's a time to worship. Come on. There's a time to work. Amen. I'm going to tell you, at that time, that was not the time to be cooking the chicken. Jesus wanted everybody's attention. And I'm here to tell you, it's about time that the church learns that we get back into the presence of the Lord again. Come on, somebody. Let's lift that up again. That is, listen, I love you. We need workers. We need Sunday school teachers. We need nursery workers. We need all kinds of people in the church. But guess what Jesus desires first? That we have an audience of one with him and there's worship and adoration to the most high God first before we do anything else in our lives. I want you to listen to me and notice this. And this is a point that I want to make. Our work for God. God is never a substitute of our worship to God. Part of being a culture of contagious generosity is that we just not attend. Listen, I appreciate you attending. But my attendance is, listen, that doesn't impress God. What impresses God is that you just not attend, but you engage. I'm engaging in my worship. I'm engaging in adoration. Does that mean you've got to shout and dance like me and holler and hoop? No. If you do that, hallelujah. If you don't, hallelujah. But your engagement of whatever that is, because I've seen many of solemn people just worship the Lord, and God knows their heart, and God knows that. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you don't worship like I do. <laughs> and some of us are, are, are just out there. I'm a little bit out there. Ah, hallelujah. Let them praise God the way they have in their heart. Don't despise their praising God, whatever style that that is. Come on, somebody. Worship the Lord anyways. Praise God anyways. Give God worship anyways. And so what I'm telling you is we must not let our work for God never substitute I worship for God. You see, I want to make the point Martha didn't realize that her desire to serve, she was actually neglecting the guest. Not the guests. The guest. I'm here to tell you that you can get so busy for God and do and do and do and play and play and play and all this that you forget to an audience of one his name is Jesus I came to worship you Lord I came to magnify you I came to exalt you because the word of God said you inhabit the praises of his people see something powerful in the church happens no wonder the enemy wants to keep you from going to church no wonder the enemy wants to keep you from getting involved in the body I'm going to tell you a little bit of I love peanuts how many love the cartoons of the peanuts uh, Charlie Brown come on amen and so I, I seen something spiritual in a Charlie Brown you can do that hallelujah uh, Charles Schultz uh, 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 a thing here and, and there was in a peanuts cartoon Lucy demanded from Linus that she was going to change the TV channels threatening him with her fist if he didn't she, he said what makes you think you can walk right in here and take of these five fingers 
individually they're nothing but when I curl them together like this into a single unit they form a weapon that is terrible to behold which channel do you want ask Linus turning away he looks at his fingers and says why can't you guys get organized like that I love that but I'm going to tell you what happens in the spiritual. I got to thinking about that. As funny as it is, I got to thinking about what happens in the spiritual realm. It's one thing for one person to gather. And I'm going to tell you, God will meet you there. How many has been in your prayer closet and you felt like you were at church, just you and God? Come on. But it's another thing when Pastor Bill gets involved with me. Come on. It's another thing when Malia, come on, get involved with me. Hallelujah. It's another thing, Brother Adam, come on, gets involved with me. And Sam gets involved with me. How many know where two or three are gathered in his name there he is in the midst and God comes down come on no weapon formed against us shall prosper and every tongue that riseth up against us God thou shalt condemn something happens in the spirit there are people that are fighting in this room right now the conviction power of the Holy Ghost why because men and women gather together to ask for the presence of the Lord and guess what has happened already Jesus has showed up and showed out in this because you simply gather together to do one thing and that is to lift up the name of Jesus how many is from a big family lift your hands how many from a big family I know brother Paul we were talking about all his siblings there were 11 of them dear Jesus yeah. Woo. mercy you think you can find something to do hallelujah <laughs> Sam and surrender. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm moving on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know, I say that because I am the only child. And I, you know, there's time when me and mom and dad talked about that. Dad said, even told me, he said, I guess I'm just so much of an issue. Dad said, I ain't going to have no more children. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but this is what I love. See, you know, it's one thing. How many has ever been out on the playground? When one of your siblings got picked on, lift your hand if you were out there on the Come on, I want to see them hands real high. How many was around and you heard them threatening? Come on now. You're, and you just had a fight with your same brother and same sister. You just had a fight that day. You just called each other ugly. Come on, somebody. And you just got to the schoolyard and some bully come along and started picking. And boy, you, you dropped your back. And here your brother seems like he's standing by himself shaking in his boots or your sister. But all of a sudden, big brothers and big sisters pointed their finger in the eyes of the enemy and said, you ain't touching them. That's my brother. That's my... How many will tell the devil today, you're not going to touch my brother. You're not going to touch my sister. You're not going to come against the body of Christ. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every time I feel the Holy Ghost in this place, that riseth up against it, thou shalt condemn it. There's power in unity. If one could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand. Oh, look 
how many we got up in this. Lift your hand and say, I'm in unity of the Spirit of God. And guess what? It's running devils out of this place. It's running the hell out of this place that's in this room today. I believe that. Thank you. Would you give praise for my, my sisters and brothers in this place? Amen. Look, 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 look. That's what I want to go to. The writer of the book of Hebrews said this. He didn't say, let me draw near to God. He didn't say, let me hold fast in Hebrews chapter 10, 22 through 25. He didn't say, let me stir up one another to love. He didn't say, let me neglect, let, let me not neglect worship together. No, he said, let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast our profession of faith. Let us stir up one another to love and to good works. Let us not neglect worshiping together. Here Nehemiah just built the wall in 52 days by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after that they built it, Becky, Nehemiah said this in Nehemiah 10, 39. At the end of that scripture, we will not neglect the house of our God. How many is determined in your family and in your city? Doesn't care if your, your husband's not following God, your wife's not following God, your mama's not. They think you're crazy coming to this Pentecostal church anyways. But how many say we will not neglect the house of our God? God has told us and we've made a covenant not with the pastor nor the assemblies of God but with our Jehovah Jireh, Jesus. We've made a covenant with him. Hebrews 10, 25, you're already there. Very familiar passage of scripture when it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assembling, come on y'all, of ourselves together as the manner of some is. How many know that the devil was after people, even in the book of Hebrews, to stay away from the people of God? Come on. And the church of God? And how many know that the devil's still trying to do it with all kinds of distractions with people today? Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And what's that day approaching? He is coming. Let me say it again. He's already reminded us. He is coming. The story deals with a rather old-fashioned lady who was planning a couple weeks of vacation in Florida. She was quite delicate and elegant with her language. And she wrote a letter to a particular campground and asked for reservations and she wanted to make sure the campground was fully equipped but didn't know quite how to ask about the toilet facilities. She just couldn't bring herself to write the word toilet in her letter. After much deliberation, she finally came up with the old-fashioned term bathroom commode. But when she wrote that down, she still thought she was being too forward. So she started all over again, rewrote the entire letter and referred to the bathroom commode simply as B.C. Does the campground have its own B.C. is what she actually wrote. Well, the campground owner wasn't old-fashioned at all, and when he got the letter, he couldn't figure out what the lady was talking about. 
That BC really stumped him. After worrying about it for several days, he showed the letter to the other campers, but they couldn't figure it out what the lady meant either. And so the campground owner finally came to the conclusion that the lady was and must be asking about the location of the local Baptist church. <laughs> so he sat down and wrote the following reply. Dear Madam, I regret very much the delay in answering your letter, but I now take pleasure in informing you that the BC is located nine miles north of the campsite <laughs> and is capable of seating 250 people at one time. I admit that it is quite a distance away if you are in the habit of going regularly, but no doubt you will be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunches along and make it a day. They usually arrive early and stay late. The last time my wife and I went was six years ago. And it was so crowded that we had to stand up the whole time we were there. May interest you to know that right now there is a super supper plan to raise money to buy more seats. They plan to hold the supper in the middle of the BC and so everyone can watch and talk about the great event. I would like to say that it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly. But it is surely not for the lack of desire on my part. As we grow older, it seems to be more and more of an effort, particularly in cold weather. If you decide to come down to the campground, perhaps I could go with you the first time you go, sit with you and introduce you to all the other folks. This is really a very friendly community. Pastor, what are you saying? Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. What we do, and I'm giving a little humor. Come on, laugh. Some of you are so tight. Dear God, loosen up. Some of you, listen, we, we are, especially in this society, I want to tell you, and I want to encourage you on this, be faithful to the house of God because Jesus is coming. Come on. Listen to, I want you to listen to this. It's Psalm 71 is our scripture for our church. And I want you to notice this. It says in verse 17, Oh God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation. Listen to me, mamas and daddies, especially daddies and mamas of teenagers and young children. If it doesn't matter to you to go to church, then it's not going to matter to your kids. If you're not here worshiping God and putting a priority in blessing the name of Jesus, come on, I'm not talking about fulfilling an obligation nor checking a, a box today. I'm talking about your children know that you are sold out to the body of Jesus Christ. Then it's not going to matter to them, Sam, when they begin to get older. They're not going to change if they don't see you. See, I want Tim to put this up because I love these kids that are blessing the Lord. It touched me. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'm going to just let you watch just for a few moments.
Come on, somebody. You know what they're doing? They're doing exactly what they sing. David said, I'm not going to go anywhere until I show. Let me say that again. Show this generation your power. You can't show until you go. I'm going to say that again because some of you are just ignoring me today. That's the problem that we're having. Listen, parents, it's about time that we visualize to our kids we are not ashamed to worship the Lord. We are not ashamed to give Him praise. I want my children and my grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren to know that their grandpa was not ashamed to worship the Lord. If it's going to continue in the next generation, then we need to make a change in what we're doing now to our family tree. If you don't make changes now, it's not going to matter. It's not your check mark today. You're, you're missing it all. Or your attendance. God's not impressed with that. But he is moved by your worship. See, God always works in the middle of worship. I don't know if you found that out already, but it's the truth. I couldn't help but cry. Just like it's touched a few of you when those little kids just sitting there going, I'd rather have them demonstrate that. Come on, somebody. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast ordained strength or praise. We wonder what's going on. My wife comes home brokenhearted. Things that are happening in our school. Because the teachers are not the parents. It still starts at home. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he is old, he won't depart from it. Well, Pastor, I've seen a lot of kids, especially them preacher's kids. Get away from God, and I have too. That, that scripture simply means this. They can't get away from the upbringing of the word of God. They're floundering and trying the world's junk and getting drunk on the high life that only lasts for a season. But how many found the high in Jesus that lasts forever? Come on, somebody. I won't go back. I can't go back to the way that it used to be because your presence is the one who's changed me. Jesse, I can't go back. I refuse to go back. There's nothing back there for the old Floyd. God has forgiven me and washed me and cleansed me and made me new. I'm hurrying in this place. Listen, if you have a mom and daddy that's flighty in and out of church, you're going to have kids that are flighty. Amen, Pastor. I desire to lift. I'm going I'm to be here. There, there wasn't a thought. There wasn't an option. I'll just be honest with you. I'm just going to go ahead and speak as your pastor. I'm not shaving you all the way down to the skin. I'm sharing today. I just want to say this with all my heart. Don't let a teenager rule your house. 
get their rear out of bed and say, as long as you're under this house, you're going to abide by my rules and you're going to get to the house of God. The problem that we're having is that the authority has flipped in the house. I'm going to say it. You get mad at me and write me a dirty email. I'm going to still say it in your face. It's time that parents take on the authority like they need to again and not allow the kids, come on somebody, to be the authority in the home. To respect authority, you must set it forth and say that and say, we're going to church today. I can remember many a time. Let's just be I don't feel like going. You're going to get up. And you're going to church. Because my mother and father didn't back down. I'm going to tell you, that's the reason while I'm preaching behind this pulpit today. Because they refuse to compromise with this world. They refuse to compromise with the world's agenda. And can I tell you, we must step up in this last days and see what God is wanting to do. Tom Rainer said something like this, and I'm hurrying. Few people will argue that the church attendance in many churches in America is declining. Our own research indicates that the majority of churches in our country are not growing. Most of us have our own ideas why attendance is declining. Many have suggested that our nation is shifting away from its Christian roots. I believe that. And thus churches are declining as a smaller proportion of our country are believers in Christ. I certainly, he said, I certainly will not argue with that premise. But certainly attendance declines are related to massive cultural shifts in our nation, but I would also suggest that one reason for declines has a greater impact than others. He said the number one reason for the decline in church attendance is that members attend with less frequency than they did just a few years ago. And here's what his topic was. Of course, the heart of the problem is not declining members, but waning commitment. Hello, somebody. I believe in what the word of God said. Moreover, it is required that stewards be found faithful. Amen. Guess what the Lord's going to say at the end? Just like when Deborah's mother, Bill's wife, she took her flight to glory. I believe the first greeting of Martha was this, well done. Here it is, thou good and faithful. Enter into the joys of the Lord. I may lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I want to be counted faithful for God. I want to do what God has called me to do. Don't have time to go into other things here. Just real quickly, want to say this. Why do I, why do I got to attend? Why do I got to be part? Why do I got to worship? Number one, I will say this, that it's a divine command in the word of God. Deuteronomy, the 12th chapter and verse 5. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes and put his name and make it his habitation there. And there you shall go. Number two, there is a great blessing upon every time that you go to the house of God. Psalms, the 84th chapter says this. How lovely is your dwelling place. Amen. O Lord of hosts, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh Sing for joy to the living God. It is a place, not only that, it's a place of instruction. Amen. 
Come on, Micah 4 and 2. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his path. And then I love this. Guess what? Christ set the example. Let me give you a scripture. Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, let me say it again. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And then the apostles followed the work of the Lord and did the same in Luke 24. And then I love this. The house of God is a comfort for every age. Because we know Anna the prophetess, she was 84 years old. And she stayed the temple of God and continue to pray and fast waiting for the promise of the Messiah to come and she was able to visibly see that manifestation of Jesus coming down from glory and giving of himself where are you at today where are you at in your walk with the Lord I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to be religious. I want to have that personal relationship with God to walk and to talk with Him every day. Be engaged with Him every day. You see, I'm going to tell you, I've been married for 22 glorious years. And if there's no engagement, there's no marriage. Brother Carl's got me beat for another 20 plus years with Sister Sally. I hope to make that one day, said the Lord, Terry. But I know he can honestly say this. They would not be married today if there's no engagement with one another. If there's love shown. Today I'm in this house. I know we're the tabernacle of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a place that we come to worship together and we get engaged with the Lord in our worship and engaged in the Lord in the word, engaged in giving. You know what that does? It keeps the love language going <laughs> between you and Jesus. I want, to ch I want you to change a family tree. Pastor Bill has told us about many a time he wasn't raised that way. I was brought up in a very Pentecostal, charismatic home, and I was blessed with that, but that's not the way. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. Some of you were not raised that way. But you can change your family tree. It doesn't matter if grandma or grandpa wasn't raised this way. They didn't serve God. Guess what? You could take now to simply say, I want this generation to be changed. I'm going to raise my kids up in the admonition of God. Let them see visibly like Deuteronomy 6 says, when you wake up in the morning, talk about the scriptures. When you walk with your boys and girls, talk about the scriptures. 
bragging on Madison and Jesse. Karen was sharing with me in the back. Wasn't too long ago they've just ultimately committed their lives to the Lord and those kids spoke up to Karen and says, you know what our mom and daddy does? They've been taking Bible stories with us and they've been reading Bible stories at night with us. You know what that's doing? It's giving them the word. Training them up in the ways of the Lord. So when they're old, they remember Daniel and the lion's den. They remember David and the giant. Come on. They remember a woman called Esther that said, I'm appointed for this time. They remember Jesus, the Messiah, that fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. There's something more, much more important than your job, and that's the seeds that you have in your house right now. Raising them. It's too late, Pastor. I'm telling you, it's not. I don't care if they're 35 years old and still have a family. You can still plant Jesus on the inside of their lives. Stand with me in this house. God is in this place. you to bow your hearts with me right now. and you, you just simply say this. I want you just to identify. I'm not going to embarrass you this morning. I'm just going to simply ask you to put your hand up. Put your, if it applies to you, to simply say, Pastor, I need to do better in my home and in my life of being a faithful servant to God, of raising me, myself, my kids, my wife, my family, in the admonition of the Lord. If you need to do a better job with that, would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, I need help. I need help. Come on. Come on. I see that hand. There's more. Come on. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. God's calling you to that place. Well, Pastor, I've been out for a while. I've just got so many excuses while I haven't been. Listen, today's a new day. Today's a fresh start. Maybe right now you're not in a relationship with God where you need to be. You're not serving God as you should. I believe if I ask you the question, sir or ma'am, do you love God? I, I really believe that you would say, yes, I love God. But are you fully committed to give him your all? There's really no half. It's either all or nothing. So I'm going to ask you right now, say, Pastor, I'm just not in the place where if I ask you truly the question, if I should die right now, I'm really not sure where I should go. And if you can't answer that question, I'm just here to tell you, as a pastor that you're sitting under today, you're lost as lost could be. And the ramifications of that is there is a real hell that really, when God created, was not designed for man. Come on but designed for the devil and his angels. But those that are disobedient by not choosing God 
and not choosing Jesus as Savior and Lord will suffer there in the lake of fire. You're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to be real right now. The good news is you have a choice this morning and you can choose life. Choose to serve the Lord. Choose Him as Savior and Lord of your life. If you're not sure, if you're not in a relationship where you need to be with God, myself, and if i got to call others, I will do that. Right now, I'm going to wait on you as Pastor Drew. And you could come. What do I need to do, Pastor? This is simply what you need to do. You're simply, you know what? You can repent right there. I'm not saying you can't repent right there or ask Jesus to come in your heart right there to, at your chair. But what happens is when you make a step towards him, you are simply saying, I am not ashamed of the Lord. How do I do that? I recognize that he died on the cross for my sins. I recognize that I'm lost without Jesus. And I ask for forgiveness. And I believe that he died. And I believe that he uh, was buried. And I believe that he rose from the grave. And I believe that he's coming back for me. If you're in this building this morning, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. Right now, I want you to come right now. Drew's going to begin to sing, Saints of God, I want you to pray right now because I believe there are those in this house, they're running from God. They're running from the presence of God. Even some of you are fighting to say, I wish I could get out of this door right now. I wish I could hurry up and get out of here. But I can tell you that the Spirit of God is moving on you, ma'am. And moving on you, sir. Don't leave out of this building without touching God. Would you come and truly surrender? And allow God to change your heart and to change your Today, not tomorrow, today is the day of salvation. Right now, you're not promised the very next breath. Life is but a vapor and it's gone. Would you come? Would you ask for forgiveness? He's here with open arms. He loves you in this house. We love you. Would you come? Just gonna wait just for a few moments. Would you come? Meet me here at this altar.